River Road, you got me running way back home. River Road, you got me running all night long. You got me singing some canal boat song. River Road, River Road, you got me running all night long. Hello, everybody. It is another episode of Niner Nuts. We are two best buddies who are nuts about the Niners. Uh, as you heard, the intro music is River Road by Justin Muth. Uh, we'd like to give a shout out to our logo designer, Daniel Mayer at Mayer Creative. And then also, uh, Dan, how's it going? How are you doing today? I, I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. I'm not trying to read too much about Debo going on right now. I kind of don't want to talk about it, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> even though this is a Niners podcast, but I, he's just unfollowed the team on Instagram. We're fine. We're we're fine. We're, we're fine. fine. Okay, I'm good. I'm just <laughs> checking in on you because, guys, today uh, we are uh, bringing awareness to Child Abuse Prevention Month. Um, April is Child Abuse Prevention Month, and today we have a very special guest from you from the Child Abuse Prevention Task Force of Brevard County, Florida. We have Jessica Miles. Welcome to the show, Jessica. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Can I clap for myself? <laughs> absolutely. We're, uh, absolutely. Give your give yourself some props because you and I, you have a team of people doing something in the community that Niner Nuts is very passionate about, and that is doing what it takes to sort of prevent child abuse. So and so we want you tell us tell us about the Child Abuse Prevention Task Force. Absolutely. So the Child Abuse Prevention Task Force was um, designed in 1996. So I wasn't a part of it back then, but um, we've been going strong and it was created um, with a partnership with all the agencies in Brevard County that helped to prevent child abuse. So um, it could be your medical professionals. It could be, um, of course, the Department of Children and Families, my agency, Brevard Cares. So we all get together once a month. We ensure that we do activities um, that promote awareness, education. We work with Brevard Public Schools um, to make sure we're reaching those families as well. Because, as you know, children spend, you know, what, seven, eight hours at school. Um, we want to make sure we partner with them. Um, but we just try to get. Um, ways to strengthen families. Um, that's our biggest goal is to make sure we're strengthening families, um, providing the resources and supports that they need in order to be successful um, and prevent child abuse. Very good. That, that sounds really awesome that we have people in the community who care about this cause, who are getting together to do what they can to prevent it. And, you know, April is sort of a month that's sort of really dedicated to us. And so tell us about how this prevention month got started. Absolutely. So Child Abuse Prevention Month has been celebrated since 1983. Um, it was put on by Prevent Child Abuse America. Um, they felt that children need to be recognized. Children safety, children being happy, healthy, needed to be recognized at least once a month or once a year, I'm sorry. Um, so Prevent Child Abuse America. And then we have a chapter here in Florida, which is Prevent Child Abuse Florida, um, that also 
we partner with to ensure that we are covering some of the things that they would like for us to cover to include education for our families, making sure that we put on certain events, um, trainings for parents, um, just making sure we meet certain guidelines. But it was since 1983 we've been doing this. Um, I was three years old back then, but yeah. <laughs> for somebody, you, you didn't have to give that information. I out. know. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to tell us that. <laughs> I just thought I'd tell my age right now, but yeah. Uh, very, it's, it's more it's more personal. This is a good interview. Yeah. <laughs> it's about me. No, I'm joking. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> very, very good. And so uh, I heard now we've talked about this off camera, but there's a sort of like a pinwheel program that you guys do. So tell us about the pinwheels and how they fit in with all of this. Um. So pinwheels. So the national symbol for pinwheels is, I mean, is the pinwheel, I'm sorry. And it's blue and silver. I don't know why they chose those colors, but um, it's blue and silver, and it's supposed to represent happy, healthy, joyful children. And so the pinwheel, what we do is we plant pinwheels at various places. So um, we, uh, we have the courthouse. We will be um, planting pinwheels this Wednesday, April 13th. Um, with Judge Kelly McKibben. Um, she's the dependency judge um, at the courthouse in Vieira. And so at noon, oh. we will be planting pinwheels. So you'll see pinwheels um, at the courthouse. We try to partner with some of our agencies. They're at Brevard Public Schools, the state attorney's office. You know, we try and we have the sheriff at 1.30 on Wednesday as well. Um, Sheriff Ivy is so happy to be there. He made sure he confirmed with me last week. So um, we've been happy to partner, you know, with our law enforcement community agencies. And so you'll see the pinwheels out inside, outside of their offices. And we just plant that so that people have that reminder. Kids need happy, healthy environment and a happy, healthy childhood. So absolutely. That absolutely. They definitely, definitely do. Um, you know, I was very fortunate to have a family that was that gave me a very happy and healthy uh, childhood. And so that is very important because I've seen uh, sort of the other side of the coin and, um, you know, what child abuse can do and how, you know, some of the problems it can uh, create, um, you know, for children and, you know, end up, you know, in residential treatment and just sort of really uh, sad situations. So, but tell us about the specific things people can do to prevent child abuse. Just the average person at home who is sort of listening to this, tell us what they can do. Absolutely. Well, one of the things to notice first is what does abuse look like? You know, what does, you know, learning those signs and a really great website that I refer people to if they just want to learn about the signs of child abuse or prevent or is called prevent child abuse florida.org. Um, that's an excellent website. Um, just if you're just not aware, um, or you maybe you raised your kids, you're retired, and you just don't know what to look for anymore. You know, that's a great website. Become a mentor, make a dinner for a family. If you see a mom struggling in the supermarket, this is a huge thing. Um, instead of looking sometimes, I'm like, 
why won't she shut that kid up? You know, you want to make sure you give some encouraging words because this could be a, a huge stressor for her. She's trying to shop. Her child is having an issue. You know, just try to provide some words of encouragement. Um, become a guardian ad litem, which is a child um, advocate. They're appointed by the court to represent the voice of the child. And that's a volunteer position. You can volunteer to be a mentor, especially mm. be a good neighbor, you know, being simple, you know, just being aware of your surroundings. Um, maybe make a dinner, you know, just really simple things that you can just do to brighten someone's day and help a family that may have multiple stressors going on. We know that stress isolation, economic problems can sometimes lead to child abuse. So we want to try to step in wherever we can. Great. That sounds, it sounds very neighborly to do those things and just be more aware. Uh, that's, that's great advice. Uh, I think I can definitely relate to the people in the supermarket seeing a child and just being like, what you know oh my gosh the, the child's unruly and th those are great words you know in a community where we should be together and encouraging each other you know that's i think that's really good advice to say you know hey you know mom i know you're struggling you know hey just keep going at it you're doing you know just great you're doing you're your doing best. great you're doing yeah. your best you know you know and you know, I think that's a, definitely a better way to go at it than to, you know, just sort of snoot your way past and say, my child would never, you know, <laughs> yes. yeah, <laughs> you know, and I, you know, and I think you can attest to that, like a lot of parents, when they're not parents, and they don't have a child, they see that and say, my child would never, those are the parents who end up having a child <laughs> that do that. You yes, know? absolutely. I've seen it a lot, you know, and it's just it just takes some simple kind words um, to that mom to bring a smile on her face and just encouraging her to keep going. You know, that's what we want to do. Like you said, our community, we are Brevard. You know, we live here. Yeah. We have to interact. And, you know, COVID has unfortunately made us isolated and no one wants to talk to anyone. And, you yeah. know, saw so many uh, more issues during COVID than we've ever seen. Um, so we really want people to reach out and just be a great neighbor to those around you and be aware and alert. And especially, you know, we didn't talk about this, but especially with the rise of autism nowadays, like autism has become a big thing. And being on the spectrum of autism, you cannot look at a child and tell whether they are autistic or not. And so that mother who is struggling with her child in the grocery store could be dealing with a diagnosis of autism or something else, you know, you don't really know. And to simply just judge and, you know, just sort of snoot your way past is really, you know, very unfair to the mother and the child. I mean, what do you, what do you, how do you feel that way? Absolutely. Um, and autism is growing and I, you know, I've experienced it where I knew a child had autism and I saw how someone responded and I said, you don't know why they're making those noises. You need to, you know, be educated. And I had to educate someone on why that child was speaking out. This was a church environment and everyone was supposed to be silent, but a child with autism was in, in the congregation and people did not understand. 
And so this was an opportunity I felt for me to kind of share, this is how we deal with our kids um, with disabilities. And, and that can't be silent at times, you know, because they are triggered by the crowd or the noise. Um, so yeah. yeah. It's, and the more we learn about the spectrum of autism, the more we, reali we realize that this affects more than just what it, you know, what it did, you know, just maybe 20, 30 years ago. We've learned so much about autism since then that it's not just somebody who looks like Dustin Hoffman in the movie Rain Man, that they can be somebody who looks very normal, who acts maybe very normal, but just sort of have troubles with noises or being in a, in a very loud place or things like that. And um, I think it's very important that, you know, people do realize that, you know, especially with autism, that that could, uh, you know, it's on the rise and, you know, we need to be aware of it. Well, I, I want to kind of piggyback on that. Um, not to like say you said anything wrong. I, the, by rise, you mean our ability to identify, and we we have just progressed through science and other kind of social means to better identify, and now we have can understand the full scale rather than, like, you're this or you're that. Like, is that, would you agree that's kind of, yeah. like, what, yeah. what, where we've come from or where we are now exactly. is where we were? I, I would say that we, you know, 20, 30 years ago, what we knew of autism and what we know now is so far um, has greatly increased and uh, expanded. And uh, we, we're now real, you know, now in this day and age, we are realizing more children are affected by this than we, what we thought 20, 30 years ago and what we've learned. Um, and that a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. would be diagnosed with a million diagnoses by the time of 18 um, if we were talking even five to six years ago. Um, now we have the ability to catch it so much earlier um, as well before we start having issues and, and um, trying to figure out what's wrong. So it was misdiagnosed, you know, many, many years ago, but um, thankfully we are making strides to get it diagnosed earlier and earlier. Um, and so, and so moving on um, to the child abuse and preventing child abuse, um, what are what are some of the resources that families who may be experiencing this can can use to help themselves? Awesome. So two one one is the simplest thing I can tell people. They are our Brevard County's resource line. Um, so you, can share whatever it is if you are looking for autism resources, if you are looking for counseling or substance abuse, or even you're having some economic problems. 211 is your great a great starting point. They can point you in the right direction. They can give you the names of the agencies um, that provide that particular service. Um, a website that I love as well is myflorida, spelled out myfamily.com. Um, they are excellent. Um, they, again, you can put whatever stressor you're experiencing and they will give you a list of resources and you have the ability to sort it based on your insurance if you don't have insurance at all. Um, so, and based on your need. So those two um, are awesome resources. The Child Abuse Prevention Task Force, we put out a blue card 
um, that has a list of the agency resources as well. Um, and so for those, yeah, for those listening, uh, if you follow our Facebook page, you can find those resources on our Facebook page, as well as the Brevard County Prevention Task Force, uh, Child Abuse Prevention Task Force Facebook page as well. Uh, we have that information out there for you to see. And personally, I've used 211 as well, um, just in my life dealing with, you know, you know, having to, you know, find residency, you know, like mm -hmm. just, you know, they, they, they can tell you about programs in which, you know, they will provide a security deposit for you, or if you need furniture or, you know, just, it's a great community resource program. Is that national or is that just specific to Florida? Is it 211? It's actually national. So, and every county has a 211 and then, you know, it's amazing, you know, so every county in Florida, but it's a national program. So every state, you know, has a 211. Um, right. So that's, I love it. And yeah. that's great to know because a lot of a lot of our listeners are friends and family in other states. And, you know, for them to know that 211 is a national thing, it's a great resource program if you're experiencing whatever, whatever you're experiencing in life, you know, if you're if you're on hard times, you can call 211 and they can provide great resources for you to, uh, you know, get in the community. Um, and they'll they'll put it in an email for you or they'll send it to you via text. However you want to receive and know about those resources, they, they will send it to you. So, yeah, that's a that's a great resource. I've used it myself in, in previous. That, that honestly really is good news, because um, if we never said it explicitly, I'm recording in Indiana. So oh. <laughs> despite the San Francisco hat, I am not in California. <laughs> but no, that that is amazing um, that it is like you can use it in Florida, you can use it here, you can use it on West Coast. That that really is great news. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully for the Niner fans that we have actually in California, you know, they, they can get something uh, as well from that. And um, so you now moving from national, but we're back in Brevard. Tell us about Brevard Cares and what that program is about. So Brevard Cares. Um, Brevard Cares was originally um, created as a way for families to get services um, without having to call DCF on themselves and potentially create further issues. Um, and so DCF then, you know, stepped behind us with funding to ensure that we could provide services to those families that needed our assistance. And like I said, with assistance, we're talking, it could be um, counseling referrals, they needed help with housing, they were homeless, um, you know, law enforcement would call us in the middle of the night, can you help this family? They were sleeping in their car, you know. We are the gap fillers for VARD Cares. We try to help um, families um, in unique ways, um, using their strengths and, you know, working with their goals um, instead of us telling them what to do. We try to partner with our families and empower them to make good decisions, you know, right. information and education. Um, so we are case managers. We meet with families, put a plan together, and we help them move through that plan and hopeful to success, successful completion. That is yeah. our goal. And 
you know, dealing with the fans that you deal with, like, what's it like to see, like, maybe a success story of this program actually working, you know? I mean, what's that like for you? Uh, and, you know, tell us about that, yeah. Um, the coolest thing is to see someone smile who was bawling their eyes out when you first met them or they didn't know how to do something and now they feel so empowered that they are working full time and doing a job maybe they didn't think they could do or maybe finishing a degree that they had put off and put off because they had children. Getting into housing, getting into their first stable home, it is the the best feeling that you know that you partnered with someone to encourage them to do what they felt was impossible. Um, and so it is the uh, the most awesome, most rewarding feeling. I think that's why I've done it for as long as I have. I've been with Brevard Cares for 14 years now. Yeah, 14 years. Yeah. And it's the longest place I've stayed and I love it. Um, it. It challenges you, it makes you think, and it fulfills you because again, you get to see those amazing um, and have those ex amazing experiences with the families, you know. Well, that's great, and we're we're really we really feel lucky to have you guys on here, um, you know. And you know, we just we we just love what you're doing, you know. And you know that sense of, you know, you know, accomplishment or just that that sort of like you're doing something in the world like that. That really, it really makes us happy here at Niner Nuts. And so, you do also have a great program uh, for expecting mothers. Uh, you have a crib program for them. Tell us, tell yeah. us about that. Absolutely. So, um, unfortunately, one of the number one reasons we have child deaths in uh, baby deaths in Brevard is due to co-sleeping, which is uh, people sleeping with the baby and unfortunately suffocating the baby. So our program was created to provide free pack and plays or cribs for expectant mothers who are seven months pregnant and they can have up to a year, year old. And all they have to do is take my safe sleep class and I will mail them a pack and play um, straight to their home uh, so that the baby has a safe place to sleep. And we've been doing that, well, the whole 14 years I've been at Brevard Cares. Um, and we have not, except during COVID, our number went back up, but we had not had any uh, co-sleeping deaths. And oh, wow. yeah, except during COVID, that's the only time we started to see the rise again, but um, we had hey. not had any. <laughs> good. That, that sounds like a great program and it's doing some sounds like it's doing some good hopefully the pandemic will will get back on track with right. that um and so we are doing now we are going to do a little bit of housekeeping and we are going to break for our sponsors so i'm going to move as you all know uh if you're in the melbourne florida area you reach out to alicatino at madison allied real estate 321-698 Four six nine two. When I was shopping for a home in Rockledge, Florida area, I told Allie how much I wanted to pay for a house, and she respected my price range and did not try to persuade me to go above my budget. She's a great realtor that will get you in a house you love at a price you can afford. That's Allie Catino at Madison Allied Real Estate, 321-698-4692. That's 321-698-4692. And so... 
Uh, Jessica, you know we're about football. Uh, <laughs> we had a previous guest here uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Carrie Taco Isherwood, who talked about her time at Florida State and the dynasties they had. And you then said when you heard it, hey, James. We need a I was at Florida State at the same time. So, yes, tell us about your experience with winning a national championship at Florida State. Can I tell you, you know, I felt when I went to Florida State, I felt like I was a part of the football team. And let me tell you why. You just have this pride of, you know, wow, we're great at football. And there was just this energy in Tallahassee. I, I can't explain it of like excitement, especially around game day. And especially, of course, with the national championship. Um, it was awesome. It was exciting. People were so excited and ecstatic and we lined up early and we just, you know, couldn't wait to get into our seats and just cheer them on and scream. And I just remember screaming the whole time. Don't ask me the game. <laughs> anything about the game I just was so ecstatic it was Virginia Tech um and I just was so ecstatic you know just enjoying it enjoying the atmosphere I think was awesome it was definitely and, and you, you won't believe like yesterday we went out for a friend like my uh we went out for my friend's uh birthday and we were at texas roadhouse free plug texas roadhouse you guys are great all across the nation uh but we were we were in uh in um orlando or just outside orlando the texas roadhouse there and there was this plaque of florida state and uh, pictures of not only, you know, like the field, it was a picture of the field, their coaches that won the national championship, their Heisman Trophy winners the year that they won the national championship, like this, like it was all these pictures, you know, in this frame. And it was, I was just like, wow, we, we were just talking about this. Here it is. There's Peter Wark right there. You know, yeah. there's Jameis Winston, you know, there's Deion Sanders, you know, like, and I was just like, wow. And, you know, I I do get, like, when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, it was, like, this sense of, like, you know, the Eagles didn't just do it. We did it. We, we did. did it. We did it. We were there. <laughs> we rooted the team on. We did it. And I think that's what you're expressing here. It's just, like, as a community and Florida State fans, like, it was just, like, a sense of we did it. Am I right? Absolutely. And even when we went to away games, it was like, I, I represented the team, you know, you had to have that, you know, with the Gator fans sitting next to you and you had to have, you just had to talk a little smack, make sure they understood who was there's something so unique about Florida and football that I've just looked at from afar. I, I can't, I can't say with a straight face that I've, have been as passionate outside of uh, we went to one. I did go to a party where Jameis Winston won the national title, but there's there's just something so unique. I mean, do you do you have any theory about like why Florida fans in particular are so passionate? They are because you know I've been to my University of Miami. I've been to everybody. I just oh, so you wanted to enemy territory? Oh like, yeah. <laughs> Florida State hat on in Miami. I so brave. Quickly put on my University of Miami t-shirt. 
you got you got to represent. I'm not about violence. That's where my everything ended. I'm like I'm not uh, about a fight or anything because we were walking through a tailgate area and I was like, oh, I need to change, you know, quickly, you know. So I'm not about the fighting and all of that stuff. It's not that. Oh, no, I feel like not. people are that protective of their teams and they've typically been fans since childhood. So it's like you're talking about a family member. I, you know, that's the best way I can explain it. Um, yeah. They are willing to, I guess, go to jail for their team. And so. Well, I, I think that's every fan base. I don't think it's just the University <laughs> of Miami. And I'm a, and I'm an Eagles fan, so... There's, yeah, there's you know, teams we, that get stronger reps for that than others. We can say yeah. that, but... Yeah, <laughs> all, for, all reputation. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but but to be fair, there, there are buttheads in every fan base and you know if we wanted to do numbers i could pull out the numbers for everybody <laughs> um but i will i will let you read the washington post article or whatever or the washington chronicle article that they wrote about the numbers and arrests per game you find that out and then come back to me with you know who fights <laughs> you know i i can say i read that and i did not guess right who number one was <laughs> yes yes who i probably could have guessed one? number two but i mean I, let's see i wonder if jessica can think of who might who i bet she probably won't guess but it's I very hard to guess but i don't know if you read the article but i did not so that's why i was like who was number one you know so you know not the... not oakland or philly not really? Oakland or okay. Philly. No, it was uh, it was the San Diego Chargers fan base, and when they were in San Diego, um, they actually had they actually averaged about twenty six arrests per game, wow. uh, and they were eight arrests higher than the next one, which was New York Giants fans, which is not a surprise to me. Yeah. but like the Eagle Eagles fans were not even in the top ten. They were they were uh, well number eleven. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, they did, you know, they did do a lot back in the 90s to really clean up their image and um the team was very proactive. Uh they they put a jail in the stadium. Um and one of the things that they were allowed to do if you got unruly and beat somebody up and got into a fight, didn't matter how long you had those season tickets, they were revoking season tickets. Wow. Um, Okay. And so and so now, now you know if I I've I've been there since they've done this. Like I was there when they were doing this, and I've been there since they've done it. And like honestly, if you were just if you are just there to cheer on your team and you just cheer on your team, you don't rub it in anybody's faces, you don't talk, you know, during the game or just get out of control. You'll be okay. You'll yes. be okay at Philadelphia. And, you know, and yeah. So I, you know, over the years, the it's been a lot better. Um, and you can go see a game, you know. I mean, do they sometimes, I mean, maybe they might take your hat and throw it in the urinal or something like that. But I mean, hey, you're wearing the you're wearing other team colors. I mean, you know, that's a little. You're just kind of asking for it. I just <laughs> asking for it. Like, no. But no, the fights the fights have have gotten a lot better, and um, 
and definitely in Philly, you know. So, and I've I've been to other other stadiums, um, you know, myself and I went survived, to I've survived three Niners games here in Indy, and we went to Green Bay. We were fine. <laughs> yeah, there was a kid, there was a Niner fan who was being a little overboard, we will say, and um, not keeping his mouth shut and sort of talking a lot of smack after the game was over. And oh, so so I, funny I, though, you know, so funny. <laughs> it was funny, but I. I was like, I just wanted to say, dude, man, just slow your roll, you know, <laughs> like, you know where you're at. You know? We're in an enclosed stairwell. This won't go well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not smart. I guess. Yes, this, you know, and so, especially, yeah. So I think, you know, um, you know, the rap that Philly gets now in the, now, nowadays is just, you know, we, it's basically in the past and um you know i don't know i i've never been to like a miami florida game or a miami fsu game i don't know what that's like um maybe one day you know i'm in florida maybe i'll you know get the courage to go you know you can check it out like I i'm said. sure i could i'm sure i could <laughs> it's the I same could. thing like you said as long as you're not being disrespectful to others um they should leave you alone you know, 98% of the time. <laughs> yeah. 98% of the time. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. So, and, you know, fans are fans. Fans are going to be fans of their team. You're going to talk trash. It's okay. You know, to do a little, you know, ribbing before the game, as long as it doesn't get out of control, you know, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to curse or swear to tell the Cowboys that, you know, their Super Bowls are, you know, 30 years ago and you have to watch them on VHS. Like, like, you know. Yeah. It's, yeah. So uh, next, Dan, what do we got in Niner News? Oh, we have a little bit. Of course, it's the off season, so it's not a great deal of news. But what we do have are some Pretty big gold nuggets. Um, I can get through the first story super quick. We have roster updates. We have signed two wide receivers, one being Malik Turner and the other being Marcus Johnson. Uh, To jump the gun on a long shot, I would be surprised if either of these guys made it out of camp. Um, But I did earlier in the day see some highlights of Malik while he was with the Cowboys last year. And if he can harness some of the quick feet that he has, at least, again, in the highlights I saw on Twitter, his overall stat line was not that good. But that could be a pretty interesting, that could be an interesting depth battle come training camp. Um, But those are the only roster updates that we have because we still have Debo. And I'm putting it out there. We're going to get him signed. He he unfollowed us on Instagram, but we're not going to get into that uh, because... (laughs) (laughs) Because we do have a more important Niners story to talk about. Uh, Frank Gore, legendary, legendary uh, running back for us. He uh, specifically ran with the 49ers from 2005 to 2014. Then he came up to my neck of the woods in Indy from 15 to 17. And then he went through almost all the AFC East in Miami in 18, Buffalo in 19, and the Jets in 20. Uh, He didn't run at all last year and decided to hang up the cleats. He is officially retiring. 
He signed a one-day contract to retire with the team that drafted him. When a lot of people kind of didn't want to, there was talent there. But for people that don't remember, while he was running at the U, uh, he tore his ACL not once, but twice. So there was a lot of red flags, but then lo and behold, he gets drafted. He admittedly is not with some great 49er teams from 2005 to 2011 until the Jim Harbaugh era began. He was our lead back. He was he he helped carry us to a Super Bowl in 2012. And then uh, the Great Purge in 2014 and 2015 uh, just comes to the territory. You get over 30 as a running back. You kind of just have to make your way. And he kept making his way all the way to 16,000 career rushing yards. That is only behind Emmitt Smith and Walter Payton, and it's ahead of Barry Sanders and Adrian Peterson. Uh, he Other accolades he had, he's only been a singular second-team All-Pro, but he was a five-time Pro Bowler in 2006-9 in all three, 11, 12, and 13. He's in the 2010s All-Decade team, BCS champion in 2001, the Art Rooney Award winner in 2016 as well. Uh, his receiving yards, lest we forget, he did manage to get in 15 years, 484 receiving yards. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I honestly, I, um, I, 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 my hat's off to him. He, he had such an amazing career. I, I defy anyone to tell him otherwise to, to have the endurance that you have to, to, to be that old in this physically demanding a position. Like, We've seen the Todd Gurley's, hopefully not Christian McCaffrey's. We've seen so many players that may maybe get to 28 and then they're out in this position. Yeah. And he and Adrian Peterson, at least in our lifetimes, defying the odds. I I I wish him an, an incredibly happy retirement. I I I like to imagine he gets into the Hall of Fame. I he's it's not gonna be first ballot. I mean, it's not gonna be first ballot. He's no. He's, he wasn't a one-time, he wasn't even a one-time first-team All-Pro, and yeah, he got to a Super Bowl, but I, yeah, I, it's, I mean, your hot take's a little more interesting on when he gets in there. I think it's just going to be maybe, like, a decade from now. I, I think it'll take that long, personally, but, um, or maybe a little less, somewhere between five and ten. I'll make it that broad. Um <laughs> But no, what do you, I mean, what do you think, James? What do you think about Frank well, Gore? Well, first of all, I would I would like to thank Frank Gore for being on the Eagles for two days um, because he was he was on the team during uh, from tampering Monday all the way until Wednesday when the Indianapolis Colts sort of swooped in and then signed them. I do uh, sort of remember uh, that. And, you know, the Eagles uh, are usually now very, very careful to announce their signings during tampering period because of that. But in any case, my take on Frank Gore is that, you know, he's he did all of this in 15 years and he got to 16,000 yards, which is an incredible feat to last that long in the NFL as a running back, especially in he's today's 38 to, He's 38 today, so his last carry was at 37. Yeah, so to make it to 37 in the NFL is an achievement. To make it to 16,000 yards is also an achievement. Um, my sort of, I would sort of say, though, I think he's going to end up getting via a veterans committee. Like, He's gonna go. He's gonna go 
a very long time, I think, before a veterans committee just sort of comes in and says, we think Frank Gore uh, deserves to be in the Hall of Fame because they're, you know, just just in my memory, there's a better there's a better 49ers running back that is still not in the Hall of Fame, and that's Ricky Waters. And, you know, if you look at what Ricky Waters did, um, he won, you know, he I believe he won uh, a champion. He won a championship with the 49ers. Um, he was he was uh, a receiving back. He was a running back. And Ricky Waters uh, was on the NFL's list of uh, top 10 players who are not in the Hall of Fame. Um, he did and, win with Steve Young in 94. Yes, exactly. And, um, you know, he, you know, he caught some slack in Philly and what's keeping him out of the Hall of Fame is for who and for what. Um, but I think Ricky, Will- Ricky Waters, not Ricky Williams, Ricky Waters should be ahead of Frank Gore, especially when you're talking about, you know, all time great 49er running backs and what they contributed to the team. So I think like Ricky will end up getting in a veterans committee and that'll the fact that Ricky is not in will keep Frank Gore out until he becomes a veterans committee, uh, you know, uh, nominee. That That is a compelling case. I and I I'm just trying to not be quite as jaded about the whole process anymore, because like. I mean, like I, I've talked to you about Richard Sherman really put it in really. I love I love the way Richard Sherman, which clip that out. I love Richard Sherman. <laughs> uh, I love when he said that not everybody deserves to be talked up as a Hall of Famer. He was specifically talking about Matthew Stafford right after the Super Bowl. But I, I think what he I think there's a big I think that's a really good point that he made, because I can get upset that like if five years from now, Frank Gore is very likely not going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. But just like uh, two years ago, Patrick Willis wasn't a hall, uh, first ballot Hall of Famer. I I personally believed he was. Um, again, given I've not near as much football experience as you, but the memories I have of how utterly dominant he was as a middle linebacker, now the reality is sitting in and like, okay, so it's not as simple as just being like, that good so like i i don't know that's where to tying it back to richard sherman i what it takes to be a hall of famer yeah i mean frank not to take away anything from what frank did but we can still celebrate and i will still celebrate how amazing it was that he lasted till 37 yeah in the again the most physically demanding position in football and and, you know the thing about it is he he played running back in an era, like you said, running backs barely get to 30 and they're pretty much out of the league and he's playing till he's 37. He had to but, go through seven years, seven years of losing records too. the morale, the, the, the lack of morale in that locker room and the just the why am I doing this? My team is terrible. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, I mean, there's a, you know, there, there's a case to be made for him. I would say there's a case to be made for him. Five Pro Bowls, uh, third on the all-time running list. There's a case to be made for him. But there are also, there, I mean, there's Ricky Waters, and then there's another running back that doesn't even get considered today. Like he just, 
he's just completely not even on anybody's radar. But that's uh, Brian Mitchell. Brian Mitchell is second in the NFL in all purpose yards, only behind Jerry Rice. Okay. Mm-hmm. And like he he had the same type of career. He went for a very long time and was in the league for a very long time and racked up a whole bunch of all-purpose yards because he was a running back. Um, they used them in the receiving game, and then he was a kick returner, and nobody talks about him. And you could make the same case that you would make for Frank Gore, I believe you could make for Brian Mitchell, and Brian Mitchell may not ever get it. You'll have to pardon my ignorance on him. I did pull him up while you were talking. But yeah, I saw you doing that. I just have to I just have to laugh though. I'm not ignoring what you said, but his Wikipedia picture has me tr- I'm trying so hard not to laugh as hard as I want to on Mike, but it's him uh mid-sentence, so his mouth is open, but he's holding up the uh the book Oh the Places You Go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just dying laughing at this picture. It's so funny. But no, I I have to do my own kind of separate research. I'm I, not going to lie. I have to do some more research on this guy because I I did not know. I don't I didn't know about him. <laughs> yeah. I That's mean, really interesting, though, that he yeah. he was that prolific. Mm-hmm. He was that prolific of a returner. And yeah, he had until Devin Hester came along. I believe he had the most kick return touchdowns of anybody ever in the league until Devin Hester just blew it out of the water. But you know, Brian Mitchell, um, you could make the same case for him. He played oh, uh, I he see. Played, three years played, with three years with you guys, uh nine years with the uh, the let's call them Washington. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Washington. Um uh, and he was even an emergency quarterback. He could play quarterback for you in a spot. Like uh they, yes, like there was a game in Philadelphia. Philadelphia fans will remember the body bag game where like about Nine nine players on Washington were injured, and all the quarterbacks were injured due to the how bad the field was and how good our defense was. That Brian Mitchell, the running back, had to actually come in and play emergency quarterback for for Washington. And yeah, so do it all, gadget guy. (laughs) (laughs) So position. So. Yes, he 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 was a Swiss Army knife on the offense, and I think you could make a case for him. But the same case you make for him, you you would you would make for uh, Frank Gore. Uh, so now we're gonna get into the part of show, uh, Jimmy B's long shots, guys. Next episode we have coming up for you. We are taking a break. We are taking a two week break for Easter, and the next episode's coming up will be our draft episodes. Now, we told you that we were going to have three episodes for the draft, but due to personal reasons, now we are just going to cram them into two. Uh, We will be having a draft preview show, and we will be having um, a draft class show uh, as well. We are getting rid of the instant reaction to the first round, and we're just going to combine that with the draft class show. So there are only, if you see- Turns Turns out life is a little hard to schedule that much around so that much around (laughs) yes so you know dan and i have families and so we we feel it's important to spend time with our families so yes i'm sorry guys i know you're upset that you're not going to get an instant reaction show to round one 
But we will talk about it on the Draft Class show. We will set a time for our reactions to uh, the first round. And so you will still get that content. You just won't get it the day after uh, the first round. So, And but, some hell or high water, we will still react instantly to when Jimmy finally gets traded and or released. Yes, yes. And we will also do a Jimmy G appreciation show. But back to my long shot. So we have the draft coming up. We told you about EJ Perry, about being the first quarterback off the board. We told you that his hype man is seriously hitting the Oakland Raiders because the Oakland Raiders will do just about anything to draft anybody they think is worthwhile anywhere at any time. Every player on their on their team is tradable. It doesn't matter who. So the Raiders are a wild card with the EJ Perry thing. You can check out EJ Perry's hype man and how he's been promoting the Oakland Raiders. He is on a little bit of fast for Easter, but Sunday you can see that he hit up the Raiders pretty hard with EJ Perry. And so we've told you about that one, but there's now we're going to go to the first running back off the board. Now, the clear-cut favorite is Brees Hall. We will talk more about Brees Hall and the fact that the 49ers need a running back on the draft show. I will be covering that. But I have also done research on the two ones that I think are behind them, which is Kyron Williams and Damian Pierce, who are significant long shots to be the first off the board. But you never know. Raiders, maybe they go up and get one of these guys. They need a running back. Uh, Kyren Williams is plus 1,800, and Damian Pierce is plus 2,000. Those are my number two and number three running backs in the draft, and they have very significant odds to be the first running back off the board. Once again, guys, these are long shots, so the chance of them likely hitting is very slim, but you know, with long shots, you throw a little bit of money, you get a lot in return. $10 on Kyron Williams gets you $180. $10 on Damian Pierce gets you $200. Hey, maybe they hit. Okay. Damn. You're, going, you're going big or going home in this draft. Like, the, the like Jessica, just so you understand, this draft is the most, at face value, unpredictable draft that we've had in a long time. Like, gotcha. no, one, no one stands out as the clear-cut like number one or this team has to get this guy. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as far as quarterbacks and running backs are concerned, uh, there's not a lot, there's not a lot there. And in recent, in recent memory, there has been more on the quarterback end, but this is one of the, you know, first years, probably since uh, the Geno Smith year. I don't Geno. Oh, 20, 2015 or 14. I think it was even late earlier than that, but Geno Smith, uh, was, I believe, one of the first quarterbacks taken off the board, but he didn't go until the second round. Okay. Uh, okay. And so yeah. that's the type of talent that we see at quarterback this year where somebody may reach in the first round, but we could see a not a quarterback come off in the first round. Uh, yeah. So, But, guys, also we want to recognize the importance of the holiday that is coming up, and that is Easter. Easter is not just about colored eggs and chocolate bunnies. It is about the resurrection of Christ. And I want to talk about a specific day uh, in the calendar year that uh, certain liturgical churches recognize uh, in the Easter week, in Holy Week, and that is Maundy Thursday. Maundy Thursday is a service that celebrates the fact that Jesus, God himself, 
lowering himself below dust to come and wash the feet of his disciples. Um, it's a very moving uh, service. Um, when I actually thought about the fact that God himself came down to wash the dirtiest parts of me, of everybody, and guess what? Peter, who denied him, and Judas, who betrayed him. Yes, he even washed their feet. And in speaking to Peter, he says to Peter, if you do not let me wash you, you have no part of me. And so understand that the holiday that is Easter is meant to recognize that Jesus Christ came down from heaven to wash the dirtiest parts of our souls and, our, and just get in there and just clean that. If you think about the disciples' feet and how they walked, that was really their dirtiest part um, of their bodies. And Jesus lowering himself below dust because we are but dust, to do that is is awesome. Um, and not in the sense like you did me a solid, dude, that's awesome. No, the, this is the magnitude of awesomeness that is uh, Jesus Christ and what he did for us. But specifically just the guy who betrayed him, Judas, he did that for him. And it wasn't just to fulfill prophecy. It was to do what he came to do for everybody. And that was offered to Judas. And we saw it offered to Peter who denied him. And so just remember that about the holiday that is coming up, that is Easter, that Christ died for us, rose for us, not only to just give us salvation, but to clean the dirtiest parts of us. Um, so just remember that as you are celebrating with your families this weekend, um, in the uh, Easter holiday. Um, once again, we told you about the draft show. We will have special guest draft guru, Steve Neely. He will be on both of the draft shows. Um, Jessica, we're going to go over some resources available in Brevard County that you gave us. Foremost and foremost, the facebook.com backslash child abuse prevention task force Brevard. Uh, we have that. Um, we have 1-800-96-ABUSE to report suspected abuse of a child. People, if you are in Florida, Florida law says that anybody who has knowledge of abuse is a mandated reporter. So once again, that line is 1-800-962-2873. We talked about 211 is a resource line. We also, it's also a domestic violence hotline as well as their website, 211brevard.org. But remember guys, 211 is a national thing. So if you're listening in Indiana, where Dan is, if you're listening in Pennsylvania, where my family is, if you're listening in New York, California, 211 is a resource that you can dial on your cell phone and just get resources if you need help with anything. If you if you are come on hard times in you know, you need a place to live or you need you need shelter or you need food resources or anything like that. 211 is the number to call. Um, next uh, resource that uh, we have is the suicide hotline, which is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-TALK. Uh, that is a very good hotline. I have used that hotline in my life. We will talk about that more during Mental Health Awareness Month. 
but the suicide hotline listen guys even if even if you're just dealing with the stressors of life and you just you know even if you just feel overwhelmed you can call that hotline you can talk to them they can help ground yourself and get you to resources uh, to help yourself in the community as well. And also, if you're a veteran, you can hit one after dialing the number to get to a veteran-only line. Um, Jessica has also brought us to the Mobile Response Team Crisis Counseling is a 24-7 response in person or over the phone. That number is 321 213-0315-321-213-0315. Jessica Oldest told us about MyFloridaMyFamily.com. That's a resource in Brevard County. Uh, And the Cribs for Kids uh, Safe Sleep Class. You get a free pack and play for those seven months pregnant and above. The number of the call there is 321-616. 3049. That's Cribs for Kids Safe Sleep Class 321-616-3049. Jessica, did I miss anything? Is there something else that we could be talking about that we haven't talked about already? Um, no, you did great. That was awesome. Um, the crisis line, the mobile response team, um, that's for people up to age 25. Um, we are working on being able to use it for adults. And this is a therapist that comes out to your home in the middle of a crisis. So if you have children up to the age of 25 in your home, you can call that locally and it's free of charge. Um, a therapist will either try to deescalate over the phone or they will come out. Okay. Thank you so much for these resources. Um, once again, these will be in the show notes, by the way, for listeners looking at their phone, these will be in the show notes. Okay. And guys, uh, as always, if you like what we do on this show and you want to support us, if you want instant access to all our regular shows, uh, please support us on patreon.com backslash Niner nuts. We have four tiers for you to support us. We even have tiers that come specifically for merchandise specifically for Patreon subscribers. Um, So go on there. You can get instant access to our shows for just as little as $5 a month. Um, And you can have instant access. You can support us. We can do things like, you know, give you PFF references if you're a Niners fan. Um, So there's, there's things that we'd like to do for you to give you, you know, stats on guards. I mean, the NFL hasn't given stats on guards and PFF does that. But if you would like our stats and to be more in depth with some of our analysis, uh, you can go to Patreon. $5 a month gets you instant access to all our podcasts because um, that's where we put them up before they release. Um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow us at Niner Nuts on Twitter. Uh, If you want to email us and say you have an idea for a show or there's a cause that you'd like to raise awareness for, things of of that nature, you can reach us at 49ernuts at gmail.com. That's 49ernuts at gmail.com. Also, if you are on Apple Podcasts or anywhere where you are allowed to write a rating, give us a five-star rating, write a review. We will read every five-star review on the air. And Dan, guess what? We have a five-star review to read. Hey, 
How about that? Nice. Yes. Th thank you for not spoiling that in our pre-show meeting. This is genuinely exciting. Yes, let me uh, bring up, because I had to screenshot it. But this comes from Aaron at Beyond Scope. I started listening to Niner Nuts last week, and I really dig the show. I love this counterbalance of talking the NFL and the 49ers, but also bringing different important life topics into the conversation as well. The hosts are passionate and exuberant. They are on my list of must-listen shows going. Uh, thank you very much, Aaron at Beyond Scope. Uh, we do really appreciate that. Um, yeah, thank you so much, Aaron. So... Oh. Yeah, good. We got a five-star review. So, um, And also, if you did leave a five-star review and you haven't gotten read, just uh, email us at 4-9er-nuts, uh, and we will make sure that we get that read online. Okay. You can slide we, into our DMs, too. We check that occasionally. Yeah, we do, do check that occasionally. Okay. Um and then once again, we'd like to thank our logo sponsor, Daniel Mayer, and Mary Creative. Um, also, um, you can go and get our merchandise at um, uh, Bonfire. Um, you can see our T-shirt that we have up there. Um, still working on Tee Public, guys. We'll try to get those to you. Um, if you donate to Patreon, if you become a Patreon subscriber, that will give us time to that will give us funds to uh, design more. We do have more ideas. Uh, we just need the funding to uh, get that. Jessica, is there anything else you'd like to say before uh, we let go? I just thank you guys. This is awesome. I've enjoyed myself as well. You know, this has been a great conversation and thank you for allowing me um, on your show to pr promote um, awareness to this important cause. Our children are our future, so we definitely got to take care of them. So well, they thank can you. Us. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, thank, you, so thank you. Thank you really for, for doing this and for doing our show. Dan, is there anything else that you would uh, like to say? Uh, instead of checking Roto World one last time like I usually do, I want to speak on behalf of all of us here at Niner Nuts in sending our condolences to the Haskin family. That's just unspeakable what happened, and I, uh, our hearts go out to everybody that knew him, that loved him. Dwayne was definitely taken way too soon. Definitely. Thank you very much for reminding us of that, Dan. And uh, I'd like to say just one last thing before we shut down. E.J. Perry should be the first QB off the board in this year's draft. Outro music, River Road by Justin Muth. River Road, you got me running way back home. River Road, you got me running all night long. You got me singing some canal boat song. River Road, River Road, you got me running all night long. <laughs>